right, let's get it. Buenos dias! What's happening? It is another Tyree Talk Tuesday. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Ricky Rickons, thank you for joining. I appreciate you. One of the many Tyreekans that continue to support. Delco Fades, The Real No Miel, The Master Lounge, Preso Cuss, Savion, RJ DeBarber, The Tony Banks, Concise DeBarber, Frank1987, RJ DeBarber, eBarber828, what's happening? Oh my God, Steph, Ms. Lefty DeBarber, Crookle Cuts, Fly Guy Almighty, Exodus Hair Studio. He said, Exodus, was you first? Oh, was Ricky first? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> Tone Sosa, yo tengo cambio, ya tu sabes, brother. Uh, good morning, good morning. Thank you guys for joining. I appreciate you for joining this morning. Let us know where you're coming from and what part of the world you are uh, joining and attending this live session here at Premier Barber Institute on Tyree Talk Tuesday. Thank you so much for just being here this morning. Oh, man, what an amazing week it has been. It's just incredible week. I know uh, many of you were at the CT Barber Expo. Um, I saw tons and tons of videos. I have been at the expo for, I don't know, maybe five, six years now consecutive, and I didn't make it to this one for an, for an important reason. Um, many of you may have seen, if you've been watching, my daughter's quinceanera was this weekend. She, she turned 15, and we celebrated that so it was just an amazing time to go ahead and honor um, her um, in the moment. This is an image of her dress from the venue that we had rented. Um, so it was just amazing, amazing to be there. And I'll tell you what, I would miss the CT Barber Expo and any other expo to do this all over again. It's a, it's a, it's a memory that... Um, will forever be imprinted in my mind. And I think of her friends that were there supporting it. It was really, really worth being there. And you know, uh, as a father who has in, and put a lot into my children and invested a lot of time, it was nice to, to uh, just be there and see this whole entire experience. So it was an amazing, amazing, amazing weekend. Um, I've been to many, many shows since I was 17 years old. I'm sorry, 18 years old. Um, from 18 years old all the way up until, you know, now, currently. But one show, another show, Clippers, Tools, Kids, all that stuff is fine. Education is great. This is the biggest barber uh, event in the country. Uh, I'm excited that it went. Next week, we're going to go live with EFX and Barber View TV to get some behind the scenes of what it was like from the techno side. So from technology, what they did was they were streaming the live uh, barber view tv has his own network his own app and they were streaming the live from ct barber expo in the in the history of the ct barber expo it has never been done barber view tv has been traveling to shows and really tweaking this experience so you got all 4k hd quality there was some podcasting going on. There was some behind the scenes going on. There were some interviews that were happening. A lot, a lot of stuff live, first time ever at the Mohegan Sun with Bar Review TV. So we're going to hear from them. Them guys are traveling this week. We're going to hear what that was like just kind of being behind the scenes and get a, a different experience from the show. And some of the stuff, if you miss it, you'll be able to capture it um, short through Barber View TV once it is in its platform. But there's so many things that are happening um, my, my weekend was just filled with 
family and fun. I had I had a great great time this weekend. But the show must go on. And so this uh, next weekend, October the third through the fifth, I will be in Orlando premiere teaching and education classes Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, if you want to be an educator, you want to understand how to ha- be an effective educator. That's going to be happening in Orlando curriculum building. Um, if you're interested in opening a school, you want to open a school, you have a desire to open a school, or maybe you do have a school and you're like, hey, what are some of the things I can do to improve my school? We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, student retention, uh, effective education and curriculum writing and building for your individual programs that you have. I've written um, curriculum for many schools over the years, um, not just schools, but programs from 300 hours all the way up to 2300 hours. So we have the ability to create um, curriculum. If you want to be in this class, this is in Orlando at the premiere show. The third through the fifth, I will be in Orlando. Then the following weekend, I will be in Dallas again for Fade Out Diabetes. Excited about that initiative and that campaign. There were a lot of people that were responsive to the initiative that we are trying to do with Fade Out uh, Diabetes there in Dallas. So I'm excited about being there uh, for that. Don't forget to subscribe to the Premier Barber Institute YouTube, where we're putting up full full length content videos. Uh, of the performances and the stage presentations that are happening here at Premier. Um, next, I wanted to jump into go into a few things. It's been an interesting few couple of weeks. I've been having this kind of ongoing theme, and as I look back and reflect on what I've been discussing over the last few weeks, from perspective to using what you have to being patient, uh, a perspective on patience. A lot of it was lining up to these types of moments. Um, Jay's show started, and if you if you don't know Jay Major's story, Jay went to jail and he was like, I'm never going back to jail again. But his very first show he started was at a bar. It was at a bar. It was a small meet and greet at a bar where he had like a little venue and then had some competition going on and just started it at a bar. And 10 years later, 10 years later, it's at the Mohegan Sun Casino. It didn't happen overnight, but it took discipline, dedication, and determination. Are you putting the cart before the horse is what I want to be talking about today. But um, when I was talking about perspective, I want to play the full video, and I want to give you some, some definition real quick. Uh, the definition on perception, the definition on Perspective. So let me give you the full length video because I know I gave it to you in peace, but I want to give you the full length video real quick on perspective. An event seen from one point of view gives one impression. Seen from another point of view, it gives quite a different impression. But it's only when you get the whole picture you can fully understand what's going on view, it gives quite a different impression. But it's only when you get the whole picture, you can fully understand what's going on. Only when you get the whole picture, you can fully understand what's going on. Understand what's going on. So when you when you look at that, it kept repeating because there's points that are important to understand. A lot of times we only see things from our point of view. 
We only see it from our angle. So I want to give you a definition real quick on perception. I gave one before on perspective, but I want to give you one on perception. Perception and now the ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through the senses. It has to do with your senses, memory, creating memory, some sort of memory associated. It could be even trauma associated. Uh, the example that I would give you, if the only tool that you have is a hammer, you see every problem as a nail. If you've only had bad people in your life, you always see people as bad people and you see you don't see good intention behind that. If you've only seen, it's, it happens to me a lot. People are like waiting. Okay, let me see what this guy, I don't know. And then over time, they're like, man, this is exactly who he is. And I will hear it. You know, I thought that you were like this. And after being around you enough, I realized this is exactly who you are. And when you've been in certain scenarios and situations, sometimes you become naive to what's going on in the world. Sometimes you become, you know, blinded from the fact that there are some mean people out here. And if you've only dealt with mean people, you become blind from the fact that there are some good people out here. You see video and video of bad things happening on social. You see stuff happening all the time, just in a negative light. But then every now and again, you see humanity reveal itself. I saw a video the other day of a guy who got out of a, a, a really dangerous car crash. And to see humanity race to try and fix this situation and pulling the door and trying to cut the before the ambulance, before the fire department, before police came, trying to remove a guy from an accident. You see humanity happening. Some of you may have come from good background and good upbringing. You go to college or you go into the real life world and you see people that are, you think are going to be like the people you grew up around the family that you, you grew up in. And when you meet new people, you get into a new relationship or you start dating somebody, you realize there are some very distinct differences in the way that that person relates to scenarios. Like one person may have patience, another person may have no patience. And what you realize, if you do a little bit of digging, you realize that some of the people have had so much trauma in their personal life that they react with those same trauma responses to everything, even when somebody is being good to them. They don't, they don't know how to react and respond because they're used to a certain thing. So that comes from the senses, those memory triggered responses, right? You're only reacting and responding because you have this perception that everybody is X or everybody is Y. And so you're not really sure how to deal with people differently. I come from a, a family-oriented town. It's a very conservative town. When you walk into restaurants, people greet you and they're polite. And when you meet the people in the area, everywhere that you go, people are just very kind. For the most part, a very high percentage of that. I remember taking a group of kids to Philadelphia, went to Max's on Broad Neary. And when we went in there, before we went in, I said, hey, we're gonna get some cheesesteaks but they're not like the way we get them back home. So tell me what you want, I'll place the order. And when we walk in immediately, 
The guy was rude. He was cussing somebody out because they had ordered a mushroom cheesesteak. And he literally was using profane language and cutting, cussing someone out. And then he was asking the next person, what do you want? And just chopping the food up. And he was just rude. And the students that I was with were like, this is different. Because the culture and the environment of the people there had to have sort of tough skin. If you've ever been to New York, it's a tougher area. It's a... It's not nice. You have to have tough skin. You have to have the ability to navigate through tension and, and, and just people, a large amounts of people in one place and the hustle and bustle from train to train. People learn to develop a tough skin. If you haven't traveled the world you haven't gone to other places, you learn how to be very cautious and have your head on a swivel and pay attention to body language and people if you've been in those environments. But if you've never been in those environments, people will see you for what you are and they can take advantage of you because they know you're not from here. You see videos of guys walking on cell phones and four and five people, even old ladies being involved, where they will take somebody's cell phone and pinch them and the guys turn around looking to see who stole the cell phone. The guy's already gone. It's in his magazine, he's walking away as if nothing happened because people have been conditioned to survive and they have different survival tactics and they work together as groups. And so all of these things and people who are naive will go and just, somebody just took advantage of them. But a lot of perception comes from your own personal experiences. It's the way you view the world through your senses because of the experiences that you have. And I think most people live in a space of perception. This is the way it is. This is how I feel. When you ever talk to someone say, well, I feel as though. I feel as though. I feel as though. Or as a, as a school owner and being in a classroom, you've dealt with students with a lot of different things and a lot of times students come in and say well I'm the type of person that that comes from a perception I'm the type of person that if you disrespect me I'm going to clap back when they're coming to you and they're talking I feel as though I didn't like the way so and so said whatever they said and I feel as though those are all emotionally driven responses. I'll give you an example of one. Student doesn't have a, a smock on and an instructor or a facilitator at the school says, hey, I need you to get your smock on. This is the fifth time they told people in the last five minutes. Fifth time. And you just happen to be walking around the corner, be the sixth person. And now that person is aggravated from telling everybody and they say, yo, and the way they say it may not be the best. And you're like, man, why are they talking to me like that? And then immediately they come to me and say, Tariq, I need to talk to you. What's up? I don't like the way Dan said what he said to me. Well, tell me what happened. Well, you know, I didn't have my uniform on, but I was that. Whatever the case may be, I feel as though. When their reaction or their response is, I feel, it's a feeling, it's a perception. I like to take the feelings out of it. Let's remove the feelings for a second. Okay? Let's remove those feelings for a second. What actually happened? 
Are you required to wear a uniform? Yes. Did you have one on? No. It's real simple. If you had your uniform on, do you think they would have said anything to you at all? Nah, but see, I feel as though nah, nobody's targeting you. There were six other people, five other people, ten other people that needed to be addressed about the same issue. You just happened to come in at the butt end of the conversation and somebody says something to you aggressively and you didn't like it. Now, I'm not saying that the way it was delivered to you wasn't wrong. Maybe they didn't have to say it that way. But that is your perception. Let's take a feeling out of it. Because I feel as though you was wrong. You don't like when I come at, well, I'm the type of person that, okay, well, guess what? I'm the type of person that has to follow rules. And guess what happens if you don't follow the rules? Now we have a fight. Because your reaction is feeling an emotional base. Because of perception. I'm the type of person that claps back when somebody disrespects me. Because that is your hammer. And every problem that you have is a nail. The only tool you have is a hammer. So you react the same way anytime anybody says something to you that you just don't like because it doesn't feel good to you. That is perception based. What most people don't have is perspective. I saw a video one time of a teacher. It was a kid who was getting in trouble for not having a pencil in class. And they talked to the little girl and the little girl says, I got in trouble because I didn't have a pencil in class. But when the principal was talking to the, to the kid about what's going on, the little kid was taking care of, this was a, this was a, a, a grade school kid, not a, not a junior high kid, a grade school kid, was taking care of her little sister and had to take her little sister to daycare before because mom was still at work and she didn't have clothes. She had to pack her own lunch. She had to do all these other things that adults were supposed to do for this little kid. No one asked the kid what was going on, but the kid didn't have a pencil and they got in trouble. Does a student need a pencil? Absolutely. Of course. But nobody knew what the kid was dealing with before they even walked into school at eight in the morning. That's where perspective comes in because perspective is a different lens. Perspective. A particular attitude towards a way of regarding something a point of view. You may have a perception. This kid is irresponsible. Doesn't come in with their pencil. Point of view is finding out why the student doesn't have the pencil. Why is it that you don't have a pencil? Unfortunately, I left my bag on the school bus. Unfortunately, this is what happened because I was doing these five things this morning before I got here. We need to be able to have a different point of view. Perspective. Not just pers everyone in here has perception. Everyone. Everyone has perception. You have your own ideal. And most of that is based off, by definition, on a feeling, an emotion, 
something that you have learned through the senses, your reaction to it based on what you felt in the moment because you saw it or you've heard it or you've experienced it. If you grew up in a house with physical and mental and emotional abuse, chances are you become physically, emotionally and mentally abusive. And not in all cases, but in some. And so you come into real life experiences. Somebody said, I'll give you an example. This weekend was my daughter's sweet 16, 15. So she had her quince on Saturday. Not only was she preparing for, she had her quince on Saturday. She also had work training for the past two weeks before her job opened yesterday for the first day. And uh, she had to do that. And she had testing happening in high school. On Sunday, she said, do I have to go to school tomorrow? I would like a mental day. And I said, yeah, you got to go to school. Today was Sunday. You had a mental day today. We went out to a cookout. We played volleyball with the family. You got a chance to relax. No school, no work, no quince. Even your little little friend came over and had volleyball with us. Little, she got a little boyfriend. You know, so yeah, absolutely. I let him. I picked him up, brought him over. He came with us. We had a good time. Today was your break day. And someone else was like, well, you don't want to give her a break? No, for what? This is real life. She's growing up. And guess what? Life is going to punch her in the face. The real world is going to punch her in the face. I'm going to protect her, but I have to allow her to understand what it's like to be in the real world. You want a party? You want an event? You have to go to school. You got to be testing. And you got a job that you're starting for the first day after you train for two weeks on Monday. This is what real world is like. You want to work because you want money, because you want to get a car, because you want to do things. I want my child to go and work at a space. Of course, I would like for her to work under my businesses somehow in some capacity, but she's 15. But if she goes and works at a fast food joint, guess what happens? She learns system. She learns organization. She learns structure. She learns standard operational procedures. She understands the importance of wearing a uniform to be at work being on time, all of these things she's going to develop and build while she's working at this job. And I'm excited for her. I was her number one fan, drove her to work. I even went order food and was filming. I don't know if you caught my story. I was filming her working behind the scenes because I, I was being a dad in a proud moment that my child applied for a job on her own, went to work on her own, did the training, right? And did all of this without anyone assisting her for that part. But of course, we took her to work. She was the person who applied. She was the person who did the interview. She was the one who was ambitious about getting this done. On top of planning her Sweet 15, on top of event planning and putting copias together, those are little gifts that they give people when they come to the, to the, to the quince, little gifts that they leave with them. So she spent hours doing all this stuff and, and preparing to take tests Keystone test at school, in high school. But guess what? This is real life. I can't turn it off. I got to come to work. I got to pay the bills. I got to run to school. I got to make sure the barbershop's running. I got This weekend, while this was all happening, we had a commode shut down here at the school. We had to get that fixed. What, I got to just stop life because I got to fix a toilet? No, the show must go on. Life is going to present its set of challenges and we need to learn how to navigate through them. But if the only tool that you have is a hammer, then you react to every single situation as if it's a nail. I can't yell 
at the toilet and think that it's going to get fixed. I can't yell at the decorator who didn't do something on time or the venue who didn't have the place clean. I can't throw a hammer at them and think that it's going to get fixed. I have to learn to be tactful in every scenario and every situation and assume the responsibility of the leader because I am. In my house, I am the leader of my house. In my businesses, I'm the leader of my businesses. I have other leaders that do their jobs, but I still, at the end of the day, when something goes wrong, guess what? It falls on me. And I can't react to every scenario as if it's a hammer. So when a student comes to me like they're upset because someone addressed them about not wearing their uniform the way that they thought they should, I can't throw a hammer at them. I have to first understand, I need a POV. What's happening here? Let's take your emotions out of it and let's do real, real scenario. When I'm coaching people and I'm training them, whether they want to be a school owner or it's a shop thing, hey, I want to open up my own barbershop or I have a shop, I've had it for six years, it just hasn't grown and I can't get these guys to work. And I start talking to them and the moment they say, I feel as though, I have to stop them. I say, we need to remove all feelings out of this scenario. What do you mean? I'm not saying that you, what you're feeling isn't a real feeling. Because your feelings are real. They're just not reliable. Put your feeling to the side for a second and tell me what's actually happening in your business. Put your feelings aside for a moment and tell me what's actually happening at your school. Put your feelings aside and tell me what's going on with your barbershop. The moment we get past the feelings, I get POV. I get a point of view. I don't get perception anymore. Perception is now removed off the table because you remove the feeling from the experience. I'm not saying that those feelings aren't real. We can revisit them in a the moment, but let's talk about what's really going on. My clientele is slow. I feel as though the bar, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't tell me you don't know the barbers don't feel good or they're lazy. Don't tell me that's how you feel. What's actually happening? What's actually going on? Did you did you provide flyers for the barbers to pass out? Nah, but I be telling them they got to. When the students are downstairs and they're telling me that it's slow, we got flyers. There's no excuse. We promote. We share, we have flyers. If you're not passing out flyers, and when that student says to me, I'm not cutting the type of clients that I want to cut, you know what my response is? Are, did you go find somebody that you want to cut? You're not cutting the person you want to cut because you ain't telling nobody. Huh? Well, as these old guys are coming, they all got comb overs and they want like threes. It's real easy. I'm not, it's sheer over comb. I'm just doing a lot of the same work. If you're not cutting the type of people that you want to cut, it's because you're not going and telling them. It's not how you feel. It's what actually is. It's been a few interesting weeks, I'm, I'm trying to tell you. I played the video on perspective. When you, hit, when, when you have a full perspective, then you have a full understanding of what it is, not a feeling. It's not a feeling, it's not a perception, it's perspective. 
I now have a better understanding of the full picture because I've got to see it from multiple angles from somebody else's point of view. And now I know what actually is happening. It's always interesting when you have the barber that works in a barbershop and they say, because the barber owner would be like, these barbers are lazy. The barber that works at the shop says, the shop owner doesn't care about this shop. Same shop, same people. One says the barbers are lazy. The other one says the owner doesn't care about the shop. There's obviously something missing there. Those are all feelings. But it's always interesting that when a barber leaves and opens his own place, they get a whole different perspective. That feeling of the shop owner doesn't care. And I will tell you, any real person who has worked at a shop and then went and worked at somebody else's shop, they get a different perspective, different POV. When they open their own place, their perspective changes. They start to realize this is hard. I got all these other responsibilities. Now I need to train the people to be the type of people that I needed to be in my business because I was on the other side before. I know what it's like to sit there and wait for clients. I know. So now they start to say, okay, what can I do? But if you haven't trained anybody, if you haven't been trained by anybody, if you haven't gotten the proper training, chances are you'll become repetitive in the process. You'll be doing the same as the last guy, the same as the last guy, the same as the last guy. And then you have this watered down business experience. And then many people say, this isn't for me. I played a video last week of a guy. See, perception is about a feeling. Perspective is about an attitude. The attitude that I have about said scenario doesn't come from just my perception. Because if my perception is only on feeling, then I have a biased opinion about the scenario. But if I have a broader point of view, because my attitude has now changed towards the understanding, I can take my personal feelings out and look at it from a broader perspective. Last week, I played a video of a guy who worked really, really hard diligently to become a baseball player. And this is him again. I'm playing this video. This is him again working in the mud, in the rain with not the right tools, not the right things. The elements weren't. Look at the conditions in which he is practicing and trying to prepare him. This is not ideal for someone who wants to play baseball in the league. It's not ideal conditions. But this was his way of preparing himself. It's almost like when Rocky went to Russia and started training in the snow and he wasn't in his fancy gym anymore. He had to change his environment to have a better perspective of what it was like to fight in Russia. The cold, the grit. Here's a guy trying to be in a league and doesn't have the right amenities, the right tools, the right weights to exercise. And he's creating an experience for himself. 
This will change your perspective. This will change the way you feel about something. You need discipline, dedication, and determination. It's not motivation. Motivation doesn't exist in these things. This is about discipline. This is about being determined. This is about dedication. Because some days you just don't feel motivated to do anything. It's not motivation. Motivation to fade. I don't feel like going to the gym. I don't I love golf and some days I don't feel like practicing. I know what that's like. Here is a video. How many of y'all seen the um or, or ever heard the uh T Pain song, I like the bartender? I like the bartender. Ooh, if you're looking at me. That one, right? You know what I'm talking about? You've seen it? You heard it? Hit. Millions of dollars made off of that song. Here's a video of how he produced that song and the tools that he was using. I found it. You see that? It looks like Hollywood. Yeah, it looks like shit, obviously. That is the exact setup I recorded Bartender on. That's in a hotel room in Jamaica at a hedonism. And I almost wasn't able to record it, but this guy that was DJing at the hotel, he was a DJ there, and we had gotten cool, and when I set my shit up, I realized I left my mic cable, and he gave me a mic cable, and that same night, I recorded uh, Bartender. So, that. Yep, that's, that looks stupid as hell, <laughs> but it works, but it works, I can't believe it, I can't believe you've done this, so yeah. He's talking in the third person saying, I can't believe you've done this. He's talking to his old self and saying, look what you have done and this is what you use to do it. You know how many people complain that they don't have enough money or they don't have the right tools or they don't have the right space or they don't have the right, you don't understand, nobody's supporting me. He's in a hotel room. Yeah, he was at Hedonism and he was in Jamaica. He had a little bit of money, whatever. But that's not a studio. That's not a fancy studio. It looked like a computer or a couple mics, a little headphone, a laptop and some little thing that he was making beats with didn't look like a full studio and too many people complain that they don't have enough resources when you do man right now all of us who are watching this live have a, a handheld computer and your phone that has so many apps tools and technology to create and do whatever it is that you want you want to write a book it's easy to do talking to your phone it will dictate whatever you say Give it to somebody to edit it. You don't need a fancy deal in order to write your book. You want to film content. You turn the camera on, you press record. It's not that difficult. T. Payne's wrote a hit. Made millions of dollars because he took his equipment with him in a hotel while he was on vacation at Hedonism. And if you know what Hedonism is, it's not a fancy resort. It is an adult resort. 
So I'm sure that he was having a good old time, but he took time to say, I need to record this hit. Because maybe while I was down at the bar, I saw somebody that was fine. I was like, I like that bartender and wrote a song. I don't know. I'm making that part up. But he told you the story. It didn't come from my words. It came from T-Pain himself. He said, I can't believe you did that. Talking to himself in the past. It's about discipline, dedication, and determination. People want instant. I mentioned when I was 18 years old, I told the newspaper that I wanted to open up a school. 20 years later, when I was 38 years old, I opened up a school. It didn't happen overnight. Last week, La Barbaria from Ohio sent me a question. The question was, at what point would you say you became successful? That was the question. I, I kind of tailored a lot of what I was saying towards the end. And it just happened. It, it really did. Um, the video I selected with the newspaper article, I didn't even listen to it, in all honesty. Like I was working on it, and I saw that. I was like, oh, I'll just use this video. Didn't even listen to it. And when I played it, and it had T.D. Jakes talking, saying, don't you give up on your dream. It hit me even harder. I got emotional because I remember feeling like quitting. I remember feeling like this wasn't for me. I remember ready to throw in the towel. And, and the video hit me in the moment because it was what I was talking about, but I didn't prepare that video. That's why at the end it was black because I never finished the video. I never finished it. I was working on it like a year ago and it was in my like favorites of, oh, there's a newspaper article of me and my mom. Oh, and there's the school with me knocking down the wall and the first inspection. So I was like, I'll just use that video without even listening to it. I set it up and didn't listen to it. And when I opened it up on the live, it had T.D. Jake saying, don't you do it. Don't you give up on your dream. And it hit me because I remember what it felt like to give up. And I'm so glad that I didn't give up. This week's question from La Barbaria was how did you know the right time to open up your shop? I get this question a lot from people who are either working in a shop. I get it from students that are, it, it, it happens in phases. A student will start the school and I'll tell you what, in a month and a half, they're like, yo, when do you think I should go work at a barbershop? Mark, you remember that conversation we had? He was two months in, hyped, ready to go. Was parting hair. This is what he was doing. He's parting hair. Talking about when should I go in a barbershop? I'm ready. Put me in the game, coach. And I said, you just need to be patient. You're putting the cart before the horse. He goes, well, I got a shop. My boy said I can come in. I can help out. I, you know, I just, I just, I just want to go. Jimmy, you and I just had the same conversation. It happens all the time. You're in school getting pumped up about this and all the basic stuff. And you're like, oh, I just want to cut hair. I just, I just want to cut. I don't, I'm tired of the perm rods. I'm tired of putting the drape on a stupid mannequin that falls off all the time. And you're going through the daily minutia and stuff. And you get frustrated. You're like, ah, oh, just put me in the game. And I told Mark, Mark, just wait a second. Don't do it. And he says, well, no. I'm telling you, man, I'm ready to go, man. And I said, well, listen, man, I don't want you to be in a position while you're at the shop, you get discouraged. Guess what happened? This was after a Tuesday. Guess what happened on Monday the following week? Mark came over to me with his head down. I said, what's up, man? He goes, man, 
I went to a barbershop. The first cut I did was good. I, I did good with that one. Man, I cut this other guy. I didn't know what I was doing. His hair was sticking up. The texture of his hair, man. I just, oh, man. I just, I felt defeated. And I looked at him. I said, sorry, right. I told you not to go. He said, I know, man. But I said, he says, man, you know, I'm just, I don't know, man. I just, he started questioning, is this for me? I will tell you that last week, now that was what, three, three months ago, three, four months ago, something like that. October, I was in October. Last week, I walked into the clinic floor and he was lacing some guy, some guy that was in here. The fade was tight. The line was clean. No one assisted him. I'm like, I look at the teachers like, we ain't touch it. I'm like, Mark, this you? He's like, yeah. I'm like, this is fantastic. And even later on that day, I said, if Mark came to me today and said, hey, do you think I'm ready to be in the barbershop? I said, I think right now you might be okay to be in a sharp barbershop as long as it's a place that's going to cultivate your learning process and not take away from this process. And we had that conversation. It happens. People say, when, is, when, when do you think I should open up a barbershop? I've seen too many people leave the nest too early because they want to create their own. And there's nothing wrong with that. I believe in entrepreneurship. I've been self-employed, fresh out of high school. You know, the only time I had a job outside of high school was when I went to work at a school so I can open a school. Outside of that, I was my own business owner. So I, I value entrepreneurship. But I had other jobs as a teenager that prepared me for ownership. I put myself in a position of preparation that helped me for ownership. The same reason I made a sacrifice of leaving the barbershop and going and working at a school for a paycheck, which I've never had from the time I graduated from high school until then, at 30 something. I think I was like 35. I opened in 38. I was working at a school in 35. And when I was working at the school for a paycheck, I did it for a purpose to understand what it was like to open a, and operate and run and work in a school daily. There's a lot of people that say, I want to open up my own barbershop. They're not ready. They haven't operated as a manager at a shop. They haven't, they're not even operating as, as owner in a school. And what I mean is owning your experience. You wait for somebody to grab your hand and lead you along the way. Yes, there are some things that need to be done, but you need to own your experience. You need to be an advocate for your education. You did the five things the instructor said to do. Well, guess what? I didn't do this one good. I'm going to do it over. And then I'm going to wash my mannequin. And I'm going to do it over. And I'm going to wash my mannequin. And I'm going to do it over until I get it right. You see something on the floor? Ain't my floor. I ain't sweeping it. But you want to own a barbershop. You go into the bathroom. Use the bathroom. Wash your hands if you do. Hopefully you do. You don't pick up the paper towel that you see on the floor, the toilet paper. The toilet paper needs replaced. That doesn't happen here at Premier Barber Institute. I know it doesn't. I walk into the bathroom. It's usually filled. Or a student comes over to me and says, hey, do you have the key? I want to refill the paper towel. I hear that a lot. Those are my owners. Those are my people that I know have the ability to own. Because they see it as a whole, not just I'm in school. I'm learning how to do the 14 steps of the shave. I'm learning how to section mannequins, you know. No, those are my owners. They have ownership mentality. You want to know when you're ready to open up a school? Start treating the shop that you work at like you own it. 
Once you do that, you now have the muscle dexterity. You have the ability. You understand what it's like. You have the stamina. So I got a student who works third shift and comes into the school morning at 9 a.m. to 3.30. Sometimes stays till 5 o'clock. I don't know what that's like to work third shift and then come to school from 9 in the morning till 3.30. But I know what they have now is stamina. They have stamina. They know how to withstand. They know how to what it's like to work long 18-hour days, 16-hour days, 12-hour days in the barbershop. Because they've already built that up through discipline, through sacrifice, through dedication. By being determined. That same student got their fingernail ripped off. And it took a couple days. They was here, you know, kind of. I was like, hey, what you doing? You're not going to take this cut? They're like, nah, look at my finger. I said, well, I mean, I cut with a broken hand one time. And they said, you know what? They're going to tell me I can't cut with my finger. They got the finger wrapped up and was cutting. Back to work. No excuses. It's what I was teaching my daughter when she said, can I get a mental day? Can I take off tomorrow? I believe taking mental days are important. She had one on Sunday. Saturday was a party. Sunday was relaxed time. Monday, we back to business. You go to school. You got testing you got to do. And you got to go to work at 5 o'clock. That's what you have to do. And it was the first day that the Shake Shack opened up. So the line was stupid. The cars, it was 45 minutes to order a sandwich. The line outside. Now, I'm never, I don't, listen, last time I stayed in the line for something, was iPhone 1 when it first came out. I'll never do that again. I'll wait. I ain't waiting in line for sneakers. I ain't waiting in line for phones. I'll wait. But I did go and wait in this line because I wanted to see my daughter in action. I wanted to support her and let her know that I'm, I'm believing in you, baby. Go ahead, do your thing. So I sat. I think I waited 35 minutes before I could order a sandwich. And I didn't get my food for like 10, 15 minutes. It was warm. It was hot. But life was happening for my 15-year-old. And I was there to witness and experience it. The world is going to be much tougher than I am. So I was like, no, no mental day. You had one today. Tomorrow's a new day. Refresh, regenerate tonight. Tomorrow you're back at school. We're not taking a day off. Because the world is going to be more crueler than I am. Many people, when they're trying to open up a business, they don't position themselves to own and operate while working in the business. They do the minimum. They do the minimum. This is how you know people aren't invested in themselves, not just your business, themselves. You don't want to replace the toilet paper. You don't want to say hello to people when they come in because they're not your appointment. You're not ready for ownership. I remember one day having a conversation with a barber who was uh, in the shop and there was another new barber who didn't have as much clientele and uh, he was he used to be the barber who was the walk-in barber so he was conditioned yes how you doing yep somebody be right with you I'll tell you what I can get you right after this one I'll have another point that was his system he was used to doing that we got a new guy in who doesn't have as much clientele the guy's like man I sitting here I cut one person did you pass out flyers? No. Did you? Do? Nah. But this guy came in. He had two appointments and a walk-in. And then he was like, I'll get you next. Didn't give me a chance to get that money. Now, I'm glad that they voiced it to me. And I, I had a moment 
to talk to the other guy. I said, do you want to own a shop one day? He said, yeah. I said, you also have to remember it. I know you got a hustle mentality. I know you have this grind in you. And I know that you was the walk-in barber. But do you remember what it was like to sit there and not wait for somebody? He said, yeah. I said, and I know that you got goals that you're trying to achieve. And you may look at it like not everybody's as hungry as you. But do you remember what it was like sitting there and not getting a client? If you want to be an owner, sometimes you got to give up that person so that somebody else can cut them so you can manage. And something clicked. They were like, you know, I didn't think about it that way. I was only looking at it from my perception. I was homeless. I was hungry. I was in grind mode. I didn't look at it as the shop whole, the shop point of view, the ownership point of view. Because you gave me the ownership point of view, I now look at those scenarios much differently now. You want to know when you're ready to open up a barbershop? You need to function as an owner while you're working. You need to function as a leader. Make the owner's job easier. And then talk about partnership. You don't necessarily have to open up your own and just be a competition. Why not be a partner? I like this brand. I've worked here. I've been here. I either want to buy this one off of you or I want to open the next location with you as an owner now, owning 50% or owning 75%. Collaboration is much better than competition. You don't have to compete with the person that gave you the opportunity. Build with them. Open the next branch with them. Partner, make the money go longer. If you got money and I got money, we got money. We can start a business. We already have the structure. It's one day Edomar had, had expressed to me as one of our instructors at school. He said, I want to open up a premier barber institute somewhere else. That's the right mindset. I want to be an owner of a school somewhere else, but I want it under this same umbrella, the same, that makes sense, why compete? We can collaborate, work together, put our money, put our minds together, and we already have the formula, we have the system. This guy was a person that came as a barber student, never cutting hair before. Went out and worked for a year, came back to school, did the teacher program, came back as an employee and taught at the school and is teaching now. You have to prepare yourself through discipline, dedication, and determination. Most people want stuff to open up a barbershop. I want a barbershop. Why? The question would be, why do you want your own shop? Not everybody's a good owner. Not everybody's a good manager. Some people are just talent. And that's okay. You got to identify who you are. Am I an owner? Do I have ownership mentality? Or am I just a really talented barber? It's like the people who want to teach but just can't teach. They want the title of educator on their social media profile. But they don't educate. They sell product. They're not real educators. They're just giving you their point of view on how they do something. And I'm not saying there's no education with it. They're not an educator. Some people are educators. They just are. As kids, you see it in them. You're like, man, that, that, that person. You can see it in someone. You can see somebody who cares about the business and you know that's an owner. 
Some people want to shop because they want the accolades. They want to look like they don't have entrepreneurial spirit. And then they own a business and they take from you. They take from other barbers. They solicit barbers and DMs and all that. And they say, yo, I'm opening the shop. Come work for me. Then they got this amazing shop that they hired barbers from six different barbershops or six from the same shop that they left. And they're competing with the shop that they took from. But they're bringing all those personalities in one space and didn't do any training. They just got a bunch of talented people that can cut hair in the space. And now they're a business owner. I'm ready to open up a shop now. That's, that's, that's what they think it is. People want something. Stop, and they, they don't focus on what they actually need. Do you actually know what you need to start a barbershop? You need some simple stuff. You need the, the very minimum state requirements. What does the state say I need? Let's start there. What do I need? In most cases, you need a chair, a mirror, a station, some clippers, some razors, a wet sanitizer, a, a, a waiting chair, a shampoo bowl, a barber pole, a broom, and a dustpan. In most cases, that is the very minimum of what you need. You need the space requirements. You don't need a bearskin rug. You don't need goat chandeliers. You don't need a $10,000 chair. I interviewed a guy one time. He had a 10000 I think it was $15,000 chair, to be honest with you. It was one of them old vintage, like an official old vintage porcelain, like the one we got in the window downstairs. But he had it redone. Frankie Custom Chairs, I think, did it for him. I think it was like $15,000. He's competing, and it's a suite. He's competing with another guy that got a suite right next to him. His chair was $400. He's right next to him. They got the same price point for haircuts. They're renting two different suites side by side. He's competing with the guy that got a $400 chair. And they're making the same amount of money. But this guy lost money because his chair and the look of his space wasn't reflective of his shop. And his prices, it just didn't match. A $15,000 chair that spins the same way as the $500 chair. That's a want versus a need. I want the $15,000 chair because it makes me look cool. But your haircut prices are the same as the guy that got the $400 chair right next to you in the cubicle space right next to you. In a suite. Wants and needs. Some people aren't ready to own. Some people aren't good managers. Some people are just talent. Some people want to open up a shop and can't even manage their life. Can't manage their life. Let me tell you something. If you can't man, if you don't have emotional intelligence, it is going to be difficult for you to own a business. Because people are going to piss you off. People are going to say the wrong thing. They're going to push the buttons. And because they're coming with perception and not perspective, they come in with these different emotions. And they're going to annoy you with that. You have to learn how to be tactful and communicate with people effectively. And if you can't do that because you don't have emotional intelligence, you start yelling at people all the time. What the heck? 
You get, listen. You start yelling at people. Everybody's a problem. I've seen a guy. I'm telling you, I had a guy who was a manager. I've said this before. He says, I want to manage. He was living at his mom's house on the couch. He said he wanted to manage. He had a barber license. He had a manager license. He said, I want to manage a shop. I said, what would you do differently? He said, I would get rid of some of these cats. I said, we ain't got no business. And then he said, yo, these guys are tough to manage. And then he says to me, if you had good barbers, I'd be a good manager. I said, let me ask you a question. Because he had two kids. I said, if your kids are good kids, does that make you a good parent? He said, no. No, I said, I said well, if they're bad kids, does that make you a bad parent? No, I said, so what are you talking about? It's called parenting. You train your children. That's what you do. When you're managing people, that's what you're doing. You're managing them. You're managing clients. You're managing, managing personnel. You're managing systems. It is your job to oversee them and make adjustments. Just because, just you live at home on a couch with your mom. You can't manage your own life. How am I going to let you manage my staff? You got a problem. Go fix that first before you come over here talking about you want to run this over here. Can't manage your finances, but you want to run the barbershop business. You just might not be ready. La Barberie, I appreciate that question. Great, great question. Um, I mean, I can dig. I did probably five lives on this topic alone. But, you know, keep the, keep the questions coming. I want to continue to, to dig into some of them. But as I mentioned, are you putting the cart before the horse? You have to put in the work. Jay Majors had to put in the work to have the CT Barber Expo. It didn't just happen. It didn't just happen. And if you've been watching him over the years, not only does he promote his show, he personally goes to schools, he personally goes to shops, he personally is going out handing out flyers. And at almost every single show for a series of years, he was getting paid and hired to help people with their show, but be the spokesperson for their show. The big advantage of that is they're hiring him to get on stage, all right, everybody get it together, blah, blah. He's practicing, he's getting the endurance. Not only was he getting the endurance, he was getting paid to also promote his show at their show. He's on stage saying, and don't forget in May, come out to the CT Barber Expo. He was at every show all over the country promoting his show while being a spokesperson for their shows. It's hard work. He built the stamina. He built the relationships. He found all the vendors while working at these other shows. It's brilliant. But it didn't happen overnight. Too many people want it right away. It took 10 years to create what he has created with this event. Amazing, amazing job what he has done. It took 20 years for me to open up a school. When you look around this place, there's a lot of amazing things happening here. They say Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, but your reputation can destroy it overnight. You can really mess up your business 
by putting a business together because you think you're ready, but then you don't treat people with respect and you don't treat the business the way it's supposed to because you have a perception and not perspective. And you go in and you think everybody's supposed to be like you and you say, these guys ain't hungry like me. That's why they ain't eating. I cut everybody walking in the shop. You're not giving any room for other, uh, anyone else to grow. And you think because you're hungry, they're supposed to be hungry. They don't have your, your type of hunger. You just a hungry barber to open up a barber shop. Know what happens when people leave? You be like, I don't need them anyway because I just need me. But your business is not successful when you are not there. I haven't been full-time in my barbershop since 2008. It's 2023. My shop has been existing for 20 years. There are people that know what they're supposed to do. There are systems that are in place. If you haven't developed systems, you haven't developed a way to have your business run without you, you're limiting your success potential. You have to create systems that work so you can manage the systems and then you can walk away and do something else and continue to elevate and grow. Perception is about a feeling. Perspective is about an attitude. Don't put the cart before the horse. Thank you guys for joining today. I appreciate you. I hope that this uh, live helped you. Remember, I live by the motto, serve your needs by serving the needs of others first. Have an amazing, amazing week. Thank you. Amazing.